Now batting for the Cubs corner, the host, Anthony Pasquale. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cubs Corner. I'm your host, Anthony Pasquale, and as always, this episode is brought to you by Coach's Bar and Grill, located at 6169 North Northwest Highway in the Great Edison Park neighborhood. In what is otherwise some uncertain times, one thing is for sure, and that's that Coach's Bar and Grill is still finding ways to get you food, and I highly recommend it. Cubs fans, today we have a very special guest. I'm sure you've all been dying to hear his voice. The voice of the Chicago Cubs, Len Casper. Thanks for coming on the show, Len. You got it, Anthony. Pleased to be with you. So just want to start kind of where you grew up, you know, as a Tigers fan in Detroit. Obviously, Al Kaline must have been a pretty big part of your years growing up. How are you feeling after that news? Yeah, it's very sad. Uh, Al, I didn't know him well. I got to meet him a few times, and uh, he was a voice of my childhood. He and uh, another Hall of Fame uh, player, uh, George Kell, uh, they were the Tigers announcers on television uh, when I was growing up, and uh, he was a great player. He, he walked more than he struck out. He was a power hitter, hit for average, uh, terrific right fielder, uh, just was the consummate Hall of Famer. And when you think of uh, the Tigers, he really – he was the Ernie Banks of the Tigers. He was he was Mr. Detroit, Mr. Tiger, and uh, he'll definitely be missed. So as, aside from some of that um, not as good news, obviously you've got some time off, some some chance to spend some time with the family. How have you been staying busy during these uh, these days? Yeah, it's been a, a very strange time, to say the least. I think everybody agrees uh, this is unprecedented. Uh, it's uh, it's good to be home with family. That's the silver lining. But I think when uh, it's kind of forced and you're not able to get out and about in the world, especially as the weather gets a little nicer around here in the Midwest, uh, it's difficult. Uh, it's the first time in about 20 years for me I haven't been calling baseball this time of year. Uh, I really, really miss my job. And uh, I don't know if we'll be able to play this year or not. Hopefully we will at some point. Um, but we just kind of sit and wait, and I think it's the uncertainty of when we resume life that's the hardest part mentally. So just trying to stay productive as, as much as I can and stay in, in physical and mental shape and uh, be ready when uh, whenever uh, life and baseball does resume. And you mentioned you know missing the job. What would you say you missed the most? I think just being at the ballpark every day, uh, there's just something invigorating and, and refreshing and exciting about being at a big league baseball park on a daily basis. Uh, I get a, uh, the pleasure of being at Wrigley Field uh, 81 times a year and hopefully a few more with postseason play. Uh, we would have been in Pittsburgh uh, this week at uh, beautiful PNC Park and uh, just there's no better place in the world uh, as far as I'm concerned than uh, a major league ballpark with green grass and the bat cracks and the mid pops. Uh, this is what uh, we all uh, want to be a part of around this time of the year and the fact that we don't have it right now is, is pretty tough to take. Yeah, you're definitely right about that. And I know we've talked about this in the past, kind of the off season is a chance to disconnect from the game and then spring training, you get right back into the swing of things. But this year, obviously, that kind of took a pause. Is there anything you're doing at home during your time off to stay sharp as a broadcaster? Or do you just anticipate when you're thrown back into it, um, you and JD will be right back on track? 
Yeah, I think more of the latter. Uh, we were able to do about three weeks worth of games uh, because of the first year of Marquee Sports Network. We were on every day. Uh, so we did almost 20 games and uh, felt really comfortable, really good, getting to know the, the new production people and on-air people. Uh, and, and J.D. and I got in a nice groove. So uh, it, it felt good when we had to stop and shut things down in mid-March. And uh, I anticipate uh, we'll pick it right back up where we left off whenever that is. And as I said, I just hope it is 2020 and not uh, spring training of next year. But uh, those decisions will be made uh, by Major League Baseball and all the teams and the Players Association. And I know they've been having a lot of conversations right now about you know how to make this work. Uh, and I'm confident that they'll uh, they'll make the right decisions based on number one, the health of everybody included, and then beyond that, making sure that logistically they can make it happen. Yeah, and it, and it's all up to, like you said, the MLB and the MLBPA to kind of figure out what is best. But, you know, I I wonder as the voice of the Chicago Cubs and, and that being one of the biggest MLB franchises, how does it feel to be welcomed into so many homes on a regular basis during this time of year usually? That's no, it's a responsibility and an honor I don't take lightly. Uh, it means a lot to me uh, that we are a, a part of uh, people's uh, everyday lives. Uh, they, they tell us we're part of their family. Uh, I think it is part of the routine and the ritual of spring and summer uh, to have a ball game on in the background at the very least, if, even if you're not uh, totally focused on the game. Uh, at all times, but just kind of a soundtrack in the background. Uh, and that's missing right now for a lot of people. And uh, I wish I could be uh, a part of that every day. And uh, it's nice to hear from people that they actually do miss hearing your voice. And uh, believe me, uh, I'm the first person to, to, to say that I would love to be uh, at the ballpark calling Cubs games. Uh, and I would be there at the drop of a hat. Um, but unfortunately, right now, uh, there are bigger issues at hand. And we have to make sure that everyone stays safe, healthy, and safe sound and uh, we'll get back to, to normal life hopefully sooner than later and I think everyone will be excited when that happens. They certainly will and another thing that brought a lot of excitement was the launching of Marquee Network so I'm curious for you how has that transition been? It's been great you know a lot of it's the same you know at the end of the day you're, you're calling uh, big league baseball and Cubs baseball but uh, all the graphics are different uh, a lot of the people in the production truck and a few of our on-air talent and colleagues uh, are different and new and a lot of uh, added technology which has been really cool to kind of watch and, and dabble with um, a lot of former Cub players will be involved including Mark Grace and Rick Sutcliffe and Doug Glanville who we worked with on NBC Sports Chicago. Mark DeRosa is going to be a part of this. Uh, Ryan Dempster. Uh, so it's it's a really great list of people. And, uh, you know, we uh, we dipped our toes in the water in spring training. And uh, hopefully uh, once we get going, it'll be fun to work with all those guys. Yeah, and you mentioned the, the large list of analysts, Glanville, Sutcliffe, Grace, DeRosa, Dempster, and a few other ones. Even Lou Pinella is is uh, joining the Marquee Network. I'm curious for you and JD, what kind of pluses and what kind of challenges does that present when you have them in the booth? Well, I think it's just giving everyone space and, and making them shine and, and giving them opportunities to, to, to do their thing. And, you know, Dwayne Kuyper, a good friend of mine in the business, the longtime Giants broadcaster, uh, once said, when you, when you have a chance to not talk, take it. Uh, we're on the air, you know, 500, 600 hours a year and three hours every day. 
there's plenty of room, plenty of time to to analyze and to, and to get in our stories and points. Um, and, and to have other people involved, I think, just makes uh, the broadcast even better. And uh, it's, been, it's been fun so far, as I said, and uh, just kind of hoping to get back at it here as soon as possible. And you mentioned the technology aspect. There's obviously been, whether it be on ESPN or with the Marquee Network, a lot of interviews done with players, even during the game. What do you think of players being mic'd up or asked questions while they're playing? I think it's really neat. Uh, I think it's going to be hard to do the IFB thing where you're talking to a player during a, a regular season game while he's actually on the field. Uh, I think you can do it in spring training, and I think we'll see more of that as time goes on. Um, but but I do like the idea of a, a player being mic'd up and just hearing some some uh, natural sounds of the game and conversations that, that a player may have with a teammate or a coach uh, or an umpire uh, and kind of kind of getting into a guy's head a little bit is, is really cool. And sometimes it's the simpler things that I found the most interesting, uh, you know, just reminders of the count, reminders of how many outs there are for base runners, things like that. Uh, we often see uh, coaches and players talking, but we don't know what they're saying. And usually it's the simpler thing because it's just constant reminders of the game situations. Yeah, those are certainly interesting. And I think I remember earlier in spring training, um, Anthony Rizzo said during an at-bat, I'm feeling a heater here, haven't got a fastball all day, and then he got a fastball and ripped a single. So getting to hear those thoughts almost broadcasted is a very interesting thing. Yeah, and he's great. I mean, he and, and uh, Chris Bryant uh, being mic'd up for ESPN made a lot of sense. Those guys are rare. You know, not everybody is quite like them in terms of being able to talk while you're uh, doing your thing, but uh, it was a really cool moment. And, you know, this is something um, we've seen all over the place. A lot of different articles and reports saying when or where the season might take place. The most recent one came out last night saying that teams could get back together as early as May and the whole season potentially could be played in Arizona. Have you heard any further things on that or any other plans from the MLB? No, uh, I read exactly what you read and... uh... You know, I think they just kind of floated it out there to see what the reaction might be. I think there are a lot of logistical uh, hurdles uh, that would have to be overcome. But, hey, we're all sitting around right now with not a lot to do. So you might as well be trying to figure out ways when we can get back to to action, how to uh, implement it. And so I give MLB a lot of credit for, for trying to figure out how we can get uh, a full baseball season in here in 2020. I hope it happens in whatever fashion it does, uh, whether it's in Arizona, neutral site parks, uh, or most teams can play in their home ballparks with or without fans. However it is, I think everyone wants baseball back, but just have to make sure uh, that all the, the T's are crossed and the uh, the I's are dotted uh, from health standpoint, uh, from a logistical standpoint, from a uh, worker standpoint. Uh, if you put 30 teams in, in the Phoenix area, you have to make sure you have enough hotel space, enough hotel workers, enough transportation people, security, uh, ballpark logistics. There are just a lot of other things aside from literally the games themselves that you have to make sure you've got covered before you can have, have this happen. I hope it happens in some form or fashion. Let's see how it plays out over the next couple months. Yeah, and, and you mentioned the logistics. One thing, a logistical issue would be figuring figuring out how to get the broadcasters and media and camera crew there. Have you guys heard anything from Marquee in terms of the protocol for, especially if there are no fans in the stadium, because then there would be a 
I wouldn't want to say pressure, but a lot of people will be relying on you to bring them the game. Yeah, I haven't heard. I haven't heard anything official from anybody. All I've seen is the story that you saw uh, from Jeff Passan regarding the details. Uh, I think that uh, my guess is it's still in the early stages of conversations. And um, like I said, if if they can figure out a way to make it happen, uh, I'm here waiting and ready to jump in and do whatever we need to do to to get back to normal. But uh, until then, just kind of wait and see. And there was an agreement settled last week between the MLB and the MLBPA um, just to kind of discuss some of the the challenges ahead during this season. There's going to be a potential cut down in rounds of the draft. The players are guaranteed the same amount of service time from last season and a few other uh, different sides got their way a couple of times. What do you think of the agreement? I think a big takeaway is just the service time. If we don't have a season, uh, guys like Chris Bryant, uh, Mookie Betts, uh, you know, they're closer to free agency. In the case of Betts, he goes right into free agency, and the Dodgers trade you know, might end up bringing them only David Price as a result. Uh, in the Cubs case, uh, they won uh, the the uh, you know arbitration uh, decision, uh, so Chris has two more years before free agency. But if the we don't have a season this year. It's only one year uh, before he can uh, go elsewhere. So, you know, this is a season the Cubs definitely want to play uh, because of that window in terms of this current nucleus. Uh, everybody gets one year closer to possibly uh, going somewhere else. Uh, so I think that's the big takeaway for me uh, and, and for any Cub fan out there. Uh, you know, I think teams like the White Sox and the Padres, young teams that are building towards uh, being really good, I don't think it hurts them nearly as much. But uh, a team like the Cubs, uh, I, I think this could be a, a devastating year to not play because of where they are uh, in their window. Yeah, that's a good point, and, and you mentioned those guys' free agencies coming a little bit closer. The next collective bargaining agreement is also coming up. What types of changes do you anticipate are coming with that CBA? Well, because of the, the stoppage due to coronavirus, I, I, I just think that you know nobody knows how this is all going to play out. I think the game's economics could be affected greatly. Um, you would like to think during this downtime, and you know, if and when, we, we resume play, that'll be the entire focus. But if we don't have a season, you know, we're going to have months and months and months of a lot of nothing. And that may be an opportunity for uh, the, the owners and the players to get together and, and ratify a new collective bargaining agreement. Um, I just don't know. I don't know what the economics of the game will look like. Depends on, on how long this goes. Um, clearly, uh, the industry is not going to make you know as much money as it typically does, uh, and whatever that becomes percentage-wise, I think will have an impact on the conversations. Yeah, I think you're 100% right there, and we've almost made it this entire time without really talking about the Cubs. So I got to ask you, during your time in, in spring training, what are some things you noticed around this team this season? Well, just I think the big takeaway was David Ross. Um, you know, the, the manager versus David, the player, you know, he's the same person, which is what you want to see. Uh, but he also looks the part, you know, he looks like someone who was born to manage, uh, I think handled everything really well, especially after he got sick uh, and missed the first few games. Uh, and then just, you know, the rest of it was pretty quiet. And I think that's kind of what you wanted for a team that didn't have a lot of roster questions. Tyler Chatwood pretty much had, had won the fifth starter spot. My guess is, 
you uh, Darvish probably would be the opening day starter, he or Kyle Hendricks, uh, and just making sure that you stay healthy. Uh, but everything else was, was pretty status quo, which uh, I took as a good sign. And just a couple of position battles in center field. Both Ian Happ and Albert O'Mora were off to a pretty good start this spring. Yeah, I thought they both looked really good. Uh, you know, Happ in particular, offensively, uh, really had a nice approach. Uh, I think, you know, they both will see time in center. Um, but I, I think they're, the Cubs are open to the idea that one guy uh, jumps out in front and, and grabs it, you know. Um, you had Jason Kipnis probably making the team as the starting second baseman. Uh, Nico Horner was likely slated for for AAA to to begin the year, but you know if we have a shortened schedule, that that they may decide that it's more important that Horner, with an expanded roster, uh, needs to be on the big league team. Uh, so I think that's another question that they may have to answer. Um, Ian Miller was a non-roster player who I thought had a really good spring and probably would have made the club. So yeah, there there were some some interesting storylines, but all in all, you know, just keep everybody healthy and uh, whenever we do start, I think the Cubs feel really good about the team they have. Yeah, there have been a lot of different uh, um, professionals, media people making predictions around the Cubs this season, and and it seems to be either. A lot of people predicting the Cubs to be really good or a lot of people predicting the Cubs to be really bad. I think a lot of it depends on their start, the trade deadline, if, if they're buying or selling, and and obviously the bullpen because there's so many question marks there. But I know you don't like to make predictions, but were you leaning towards the really good or the really bad? Well, I do think there's a wide range of outcomes because you know there isn't a lot of depth in the starting rotation. and. and you know, the one thing that the, the 2020 Cubs need to have is health. They cannot afford a lot of injuries. Um, so if they stay healthy on paper, I think they're as good as any team in the division. I think the Dodgers are on paper the best team in the National League and might be the best team on paper in baseball. Uh, but beyond that, you know, I think there are a lot of in, intriguing teams, including the defending champion Nationals. Uh, you know, I'll be curious to see how the, the Cardinals and Brewers uh, look uh, after both had, had really good years last year. Everyone assumes the Reds will be a lot better uh, after uh, you know having a pretty busy off season. But uh, I think it's a it's a very competitive division. Pirates are probably going to be pretty bad. They're they're in rebuild mode, uh, but the other four teams all can probably make a claim to uh, being a contender, and that should make for a really interesting season. Yeah, that's without a doubt. The NL Central doesn't have a clear favorite, so. The Cubs are definitely in the conversation whenever the season does begin. And, you know, you mentioned the biggest thing you've noticed in spring training was David Ross and the way he managed. I'm curious, what have you noticed as the biggest differences between the way David Ross ran things and the way Joe Madden did, obviously without David Ross ever managing a, an MLB game yet? Yeah, it's it's hard to tell, and I, I don't know if there would be anything that anyone would would specifically see. I think there are subtleties. Um, you know, I think um, you know maybe I think things were loose, but maybe not quite as loose uh, in terms of kind of the fun uh, banter before workouts. Maybe a little bit more of a serious tone. I don't know how that plays out uh, in general, but you know, typically when um, when you have a manager who uh, does things a certain way that the, the, the person who follows uh, will tweak it and change things a little bit. So maybe just a, a few extra little drills defensively and base running because the Cubs struggled. 
uh, on both ends of, of that last year. Uh, but for the most part, I think David was definitely influenced by Joe, and there's a lot of things that he'll do that Joe did uh, and that players like. But he's his own man and has, uh, uh, will develop his own style as a big league manager, asks a lot of questions, knows what he doesn't know, uh, relies on his coaching staff, and uh, I think he'll be a very quick study. And Marquee Network has just finished airing their um, Run for the Ring series about the 2016 run, obviously the uh, World Series championship, airing all the wins and then all of the World Series games. When you look back at that 2016 team, what stands out to you the most? Well, it's just uh, that's a very difficult question to answer. There's so many things that went Perfectly, I think of a five-man rotation where everybody basically had a career year. I think of quite possibly the best defensive team over the course of 162 games that I've ever seen. Uh, I think of a very patient clutch offense that always seemed to come up with a big hit when it needed it the most, took a lot of walks. Uh, It just everything fell into place. Um, My team growing up was the 84 Tigers. Uh, I think the 2016 Cubs reminded me a lot uh, of that team. Very strong up the middle. Uh, you know, had a great uh, leadoff hitter. I mean, just everything was exactly the way you would imagine it for a team that won the World Series. And some adversity in the postseason. All three series, there were moments when you weren't quite sure they were going to get through it. So, um, you know, the 16 season kind of had a little bit of everything and uh, worthy of many books that have already been written and uh, I'm sure a few books that uh, will be written at some point. And you got the chance to announce, you know, 162, but then in the playoffs, you got a little bit of announcing up in the booth with Pat Hughes and Ron Coomer, but you also got to be down by the sideline. What, what were some of the differences involved with that? No, it was great. It was fun being in the booth, calling a little play-by-play, and then uh, doing interviews on the field after wins. Uh, all the clinchers uh, was great, and just to get a little bit of a different uh, vantage point, and just to be a part of it, you know, because we don't have uh, local television in the postseason. Just to, to be a small part of the, the radio broadcast was something uh, I'll never forget, and uh, I thank Pat and Ron uh, so much for, for letting me be a part of it. We had a blast. Mark Grody and Dave Miska, our engineer, um, we, we talk a lot to this day about all the great memories from that run and when you think back at your time as the Cubs announcer I'm sure the 2016 team comes to mind first but after that what other team sticks out to you Uh, in terms of Cub teams yes well the 08 team was really good Uh, I thought they were the best team in the National League and had three bad days uh, against the Dodgers when they got swept um but but I know you know Mark DeRosa, a friend of mine. You know how disappointed he was. He he knew how good that team was, and uh, you know they felt they were World Series uh, worthy, and uh, it all fell apart very quickly in the first round of the playoffs. That's the that's the blessing and curse of this game is you can be the best team in the league over 162, but uh, you have a bad week and it can all uh, crumble. And unfortunately, that's what happened in 08. Yeah, it was definitely heartbreaking, but that was all kind of relieved after 2016. Now, Len, before I let you go, a lot of people this time are are doing different types of rankings just to kind of fill the time and find some entertainment. And I've seen a lot of people do their own personal Mount Rushmores. So I'm curious for you, who's on your Cubs Mount Rushmore? Well, that's hard. Uh, You know, I mean, there are... There are probably more than four. Um, 
you know, you got to go Mr. Cover and Banks. Um, you got to go Billy Williams. You got to go Ron Santo. You got to go Fergie Jenkins. That's four right there. But then I think of Rhino. I think of, you know, some, some great players from the way back machine. But uh, I'll, I'll go with those four right off the top. Four Hall of Famers. I think uh, in mine, I'd have to throw in Anthony Rizzo on there. And I've even seen some people put Harry Carey on there. So there's a lot of different sure. ways you can go with it. Absolutely. So that'll do it for this edition of the Cubs Corner. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Len. You got it, Anthony. We hope to hear your voice on Marquee Network sometime soon. Appreciate it very much. As always, this episode, past episodes, and future episodes are available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and the Cubs HQ website. But for now, thank you all for coming to the Cubs Corner.